0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot lcom slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: And welcome to Bench with Bubba episode 59. On episode 59, I will be joined by Justin Mason of friendswithfantasybenefits.com. Uh, but before that, want to let you know Bench with Bubba is brought to you by Draft, PlayDraft.com. Listen up, fantasy sports fans. Did you know your chance of winning on Draft are 80% better than on salary cap sites? That's why you need to, to try Draft. No more getting crushed by the pros. More than 1 million people have already downloaded Draft, play in real, live NBA, NFL, PGA drafts right now. Be done in under 5 minutes and get paid out the next day. Drafts are filling every second so you can join on whenever you want. All new players get free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. But you have to use the promo code SD Sports. That's right, playing a real money draft for free just by using the promo code Sports. But it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering a money back guaranteed up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to draft.com and come play free right now with promo code SD Sports. Void were prohibited, must be 18 or older. See website for details. Offer must be redeemed within 14 days. I highly recommend checking out Draft Guys. It is a blast. You can head to head, dream teams, big tournaments, small tournaments, all price levels, free the works. Uh, go check it out and now enjoy some fantasy baseball talk on Bench with Bubba, episode 59 with Justin Mason of Friends with Fantasy And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bench with Bubba, episode 59. Going to talk some fantasy baseball tonight and regular baseball because that's what we do. Um, and tonight I will be joined by Justin Mason. You can find him on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, he's got work everywhere: Fan, Friends of Fantasy Benefits, Fangraphs, the Sleeper and the Bust Pod, Fantasy Alarm, uh, F and Radio. He does it all. So Justin. How we
2: doing? Uh, doing fantastically. Uh, got out of the DMV unscathed this morning, so uh, that that was okay. Um, and uh, I, I'm missing baseball. Football's great. Love love me some football, but baseball is uh, uh, I think uh, my favorite sport to play fantasy in, and so I, I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of the uh, the challenge of fantasy baseball.
1: Uh, I'm with you. It, it, it's it's fun. Um, first off, thanks for joining me. Thanks for inviting me to the Barf League. That's been a blast. Football's been fun, but I'm with you. I'm ready for baseball, so it it, it couldn't come soon enough. You, last year, I started recording preview stuff in, like, February. Uh, I was on a flight last week and I already made a list of stuff I want to do, like, every week from now on in baseball. <laughs> it's go time. Yeah,
2: I, but, I know uh, that feeling. I'm, uh, I'm already, like, prepping my preseason stuff right now, and it's uh, it's insane just how quick the turnaround is, but at the same time, we miss it while it's gone.
1: Oh, definitely. It was just a few weeks ago, but um, before we get into kind of next season, let's talk a little bit of last year. I mentioned all this, the, the places people can find you, and also, in doing so, you're in tons of drafts, industry drafts, all kinds of different um, fantasy baseball Aspects. How'd you fare last year? Because I know there was one league you did very well in that I've heard a ton about.
2: <laughs> oh, that would be the Barf League. I'm sure you're referring to uh, <laughs> one of the uh, uh, multiple leagues I won last year. I played. I, I drafted 14 uh, leagues, but I only played uh, 13. Uh, 13 out. Uh, I, I drafted for Stefania Bell in the in the tout Wars head-to-head league, and I think she did fairly well. Uh, I won three leagues. I believe, and then I cashed in three or four others out of the 13. So I did pretty well. I mean, I definitely had some disappointments. Um, there were some leagues in which I was near or pretty close to the bottom. Uh, but I, I, I paid off more than I put out. So uh, that that's always a successful season for me.
1: Oh, most definitely. Big-time successful season. Um yeah, that, that, I remember hearing your story about the uh, drafting for Stefania, Bell. That's one of those uh, things when you start out doing fantasy work, that's one of the things you're looking forward to someday. So are you going to be heading back to New York this year? Uh,
2: definitely, and hopefully uh, I'll have my own team to go draft this year uh, after doing a, a pretty good job for Stefania last season. Uh, it, it is an amazing uh, experience, and I recommend those people in the industry, uh, even if you're not quote-unquote invited, uh, just show up. You know, it's a great place to meet people and network. Um, It was one of the funnest experiences I've ever had. Uh, And uh, I am super excited to have my own team and draft uh, draft in my own style as opposed to having
0: to draft for someone else.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. It's always tricky having other people's strategies in play and trying to correlate yours with someone else and making it work. Um, Speaking of strategies, you said you basically you're over 50 percent success rate last year, which is outstanding. Um, what were like the main strategies you think that really worked out well for you or just kind of, you played the wire so well with all the madness and that's what took place.
2: I'm not a big, uh, tinker in season. I mean, I obviously, you know, I pick up guys when guys get hurt or, or if I really, you know, fall out of love with a guy, um, uh, I, you know, drop them for someone else. Or if I see someone starting to emerge, maybe I grab them. But for the most part, I stick with a lot of what I draft. Uh, and I mean, so I have to put in a ton of draft prep. And like I mentioned before, I've already started prepping for, for the 2018 season. And, and I really, I, I started back in September to prep for the 2018 season with the, the two early mocks, uh, that, uh, you were a part of and a number of other people in the industry were a part of, um, you know, one of the things I think I did really well this year was I navigated a lot of the landmines that, uh, in pitching, Uh, especially Um, I didn't invest extremely high in some of the aces that went down or struggled. Uh, And I I think what I did this year was I, instead of falling into some of the hype, which a lot of people do on up and coming players or people that are perceived as breakouts. um, I, you know, I stayed true to my values uh, and I took the deals where I could get them. And I think that's the thing we tend to forget in the industry is in this day and age, there's no, there's really no more anything called a sleeper. Like, you know, there's so much information out there. People are on all of these guys that are quote unquote sleepers. You know, we saw it with guys like James Paxton, um, who had a fantastic year. You know, but by the time we got to draft day in most leagues, James Paxton's price was pretty high, um, and people are still calling him sleeper. Uh, and so I, I took a lot more deals on older guys, maybe that seemed like they were towards the end of their careers, Nelson Cruz, Edwin and Carson, while other people kind of jumped on maybe some, uh, you know, supposed breakouts that didn't pan, pan out. And that I think uh, attributed to a lot of my success.
1: So it sounds like we have similar strategies in season wise, especially because I'm not a big tinkerer either, unless, you know, like you said, the guy's hurt or he just completely doesn't have it. You know, one of these years I'm, Nelson Cruz, for instance, one year he's just going to finally hit that wall, the age wall, and then you're going to have to make that decision. So I like that philosophy. You mentioned the pitchers. Are you one that will take a pitcher early, or are you on the mindset of like, you know, quote-unquote more old-school guys where we're not touching pitching for a while?
2: Um, for me, it's all about value. So, I mean, in, in the Barf League, uh, for instance, 12-team league, I had the fifth or sixth – I think I had the – fourth or fifth pick um, and ended up with Paul Goldschmidt in the first round. And by the time it got to me in the second round, Max Scherzer was still on the board. Now I hadn't intended for a guy like Scherzer to still be there, but he, if you remember back in, you know, February and in, in March, he was dealing with this uh, issue with his knuckle uh, where people were saying, well, he's going to have to grip the ball differently. You know, how effective can he be? Is he going to have to go on the DL? Uh, and that really scared people off. so, Uh, I pulled the trigger on him in the second round because the value itself just presented uh, to be too good to pass up. And that turned out to be a really, really, you know, great decision because he really anchored my pitching staff. Um, So for me, it's, it's, you know, I I see it, you know, we'll talk a a little bit later about, you know, kind of our top five pitching uh, pitching guys. Um, But for me, I think I'm totally great with the top four. If I land, uh, one of the top four pitchers, I'm going to be pretty stoked if I can do in the late first, early second rounds. But then if I don't, I think I'm going to wait a while because I just think there's a lot less value and safety maybe in that second tier.
1: Yeah. And you're seeing it more and more these days with, um, you know, I guess pitching philosophy is the word where they're only going, you know, a hundred pitches for a lot of guys, if you're not an ace, so they're almost all kind of evening out as you're saying. Um, we can do this next part kind of quick if you want. Uh, what were a couple of the players that throughout your draft prep you were very high on that let you down? And then what were a couple that you know turned out to be really, really good for you that um, you targeted?
2: Well, this is an interesting question. Luckily for me, I, uh, because I'm in so many leagues, I do an article uh, every year called uh, my full disclosure article. It's after my last, uh, my last draft of the year. Um, I'll, uh, I'll put together a list of how many times I took each player. Um, and just post it as is, you know, little commentary here and there. But I've actually got the list in front of me, so that helps. Uh, so uh, Kevin Gosman obviously was a huge disappointment for me. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, another guy um, that just kind of fell off, uh, fell off the map because of the back injury. Todd Frazier, I had way too many shares of Todd Frazier, uh, and then Adam Out of you know, I really thought he'd win that closer job uh, out of spring training over Greg Holland, especially considering Holland's contract. But Holland was great and out of, is rarely heard from again.
1: Um, let's just go straight to 2018. Let's get into it because I've been, I've been biting my tongue on enough things as you keep talking. Um, we'll talk a couple of kind of the young guys because if people haven't listened to Justin's stuff for some reason that you're listening to mine, I don't know why. Um, they've been doing a lot of prospect talk. People listen to mine know I love prospects. So go listen to that, but let's talk Aaron Judge, who was a prospect coming into last season, and everyone knows what he did. He just had surgery on his shoulders that apparently has been around for most of the season. So God can only imagine what he would have done with two healthy shoulders. Um, what you, what's your outlook? What do you? How early would you go with Judge in 2018?
2: Man, that that's hard for me because I I love Judge and I think I mean he obviously I, I had a number of shares of him. Because he was just going so cheap, he was worth a shot, and obviously paid off huge. Um, but I think he's getting a bit overdrafted this year. Uh, in my two early mocks, he, he was going around the twenty-third pick overall, uh, which to me, it just it, it, it pretty much means he's going to need to repeat at least ninety percent of what he did, and I just don't know if that's possible. Uh, he seems like he was a bit exposed uh, during kind of the second half of the parts of the second half of the season though we did rebound right at the end and then has struggled in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think in OBP leagues, he's a guy that I would probably target more often than I, I would in average leagues. But I just think the, the floor is so low that taking him in the top 20 to 25 seems like a risk. I'm not willing to take.
1: Yeah. And no, I'm with you there. It's, um, And it it, it reminds me of, like, a Giancarlo Stanton thing, and I know everyone's made that comparison between the two. But when we used to talk Stanton, it was, can he stay healthy? Well, we finally saw it happen when he stays healthy. But at the same time, when you're so home run dependent and we know how, quote-unquote, easy it is to get, you know, 20 to 25 home runs now throughout the layers, do you want to go heavy there? Because the next guy I want to talk about, and in your two early mocks, he was – 26th overall instead of 23rd like judge, but I'm talking Cody Bellinger, the NL rookie of the year. I'd rather have Bellinger if I'm going to go early. Cause he gives you the steals, hopefully a more consistent average. I don't think the homers will be as prominent, but they still could be there. What are your thoughts on Bellinger and Bellinger compared to judge?
2: I think I'd rather have Bellinger one because of the multi-position eligibility. He should be first base and outfield in, in most leagues. Um, I I like the team around him a bit more uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, You know, the park's not great, but I don't think he's one of those guys that uh, is going to suffer too much from, uh, you know, from playing in Dodger Stadium. Uh, You know, and I think ultimately, I think the price is going to be lower. I just got him in the third round of a 15-team mock that I'm doing uh, uh, through uh, Lenny Melnick's website, a bunch of – his writers, and then, uh, and then people in the industry as well. Um, and I was able to get him kind of on the wraparound um, in, in the beginning of the third. And that, to me, feels like a pretty nice value. Uh, and I think the postseason woes uh, that he went through um, and then some of the drop-off with strikeouts, I think people are, are going to cool on him a little bit more, and you may be able to get him in the you know 30 to 35 range, which I think is, is nice value, whereas Judge, I don't think... It, because of the New York uh, tag, uh, being a Yankee uh, and, and what he did, I think he's going to continue to stay sky high. I saw him go in the first round of a a really early NFBC league. That, that to me just seems insane. So I don't know if that'll own either of these guys because there's so many guys that I really like um, in the J.D. Martinez and T. Gordon and, and uh, George Springer, Gary Sanchez kind of, tier there at the end of the second round, early third um, that I think I will probably go a different direction, but I can guarantee you if I do own one of these guys, it's going to be Ballinger.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I know I took Cody and you're too early to mocks and I took him in another one. We're both doing right now and I'm really high on him. But when I look at your, your, the names around him here, I kind of wonder what I was thinking at times because my earlier picks, I like a little more stability and consistency. That's just me, but uh, everyone's different, and we've only seen Cody do it once, so there's a lot to be said there. Now let's talk about a guy that we haven't seen at all in the U.S., except for maybe the World Baseball Classic, if you want to go to that angle, but he's on everybody's radar. Everyone's talking about him, Shohei Otani. The kid is yeah, he's still a kid, technically. he's very, very good. Um, We know he pitches, he hits. He's the Babe Ruth of Japan. Now, he wasn't in the two early mocks because the the system didn't have him yet. Where are you seeing him go right now, or where would you imagine he goes right now?
2: Well, it's going to be interesting because he is going to have different eligibility depending on what site you play on. And so I think there's like four different options, and only one site that I know of is catering, allowing you to pick which option to go with. Uh, And I think that it's called on Roto. They're going to let you choose between all the options. But NFBC is he's going to be pitcher. only. That's it. He's just going to be a pitcher Um, in uh, CBS. There's going to be a hitter version and a pitcher version, um, which I find interesting. Uh, And then fan tracks. He is going to start off as a pitcher. But as soon as he gains eligibility at a position, he will be a hitter and a pitcher that you can toggle between. Um, you know, as far as the other major sites uh, like uh, ESPN, Yahoo, I haven't heard yet where uh, what, what they're going to do. Um, if he is like a pitcher only in NFBC, I think you're going to see him going as like a top 15 pitcher, um, which I don't think is unreasonable considering what he's been able to do in Japan and the limited video. And it is very limited uh, video that I've watched of him. Uh, he looks like he could be easily a top 10 starter at some point in his career in the major leagues. Uh, If you're in a league like fan tracks where you can kind of toggle between, um, especially if you're in a daily moves league as opposed to a weekly moves league um, where you have to kind of determine, oh, he's going to be a pitcher this week or a hitter this week. uh, I think he is legitimately in the conversation as a top 15 to 20 pick. Uh, because if you can get all of his pitching stats and then add in 20 plus home runs, that gives you so much value that I think he should be going that high. So it's going to depend a lot on on where, what system you're playing on, uh, what format you're playing on. But for me, if you're getting both stats, he's uh, a top 20 guy. If if you're only getting one, uh, you know, you're only getting his pitching stats. I'm gonna put him. Inside of my top twenty at starting pitcher, uh, but that'll probably put him, you know, around, you know, fifty to sixty overall.
1: Yeah, I had uh, Ralph Lifshitz on uh, from Rasball, and he we, he was kind of saying similar things. Pitching wise, the stuff that he's seen, this guy could be top ten, top fifteen guy, no problem. It's just a matter of how he gets used. We know the Twins are high on him, which is. Not too surprising the way their off-season talks have gone. The Mariners love them. Um, I only had heard the CBS version of that, and I know you have some interesting thoughts on this. So I've given my opinion many times of how I think if they're going to do it, he needs to be both, and the two-player idea because it's too complicated. But I I saw a few different tweets you had about what you think his eligibility should, should be. If you had to pick one option, which one do you want?
2: I want what Fantrax is. I mean, obviously, I'd love to have what OnRoto is doing because I think the the uh, the uh, ability to for each league to say, okay, this is what we want someone like him to be, uh, it, it, you know, is freeing. Um, personally, uh, I would prefer if I was just given an option of one, I'd prefer what Fantrax is doing, uh, the ability to toggle a guy between, uh, you know, Hitting or pitching, you know, depending on what he's doing that day. I play in mostly daily leagues, anyways. I think Taut Wars is the only weekly league uh, I play in, um, unless maybe one of the new ones I'm joining this year is a, is a weekly. So I, I for me, I think he should. I mean, he's one guy, and ultimately, you know, I know people are like, well, this is fantasy, this isn't real life. We're not trying to mimic real life, and that's kind of BS. Of course you are. We're 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 using real life stats. We're using real life players for a fun game, and it, you know, it should mirror real life, and the idea that CBS is doing two cards, you can, you know, I'm in a dynasty league, I've got the second pick, and I know the guy's going to take pitcher Otani first overall, um, well, now I've got to decide between a top prospect and hitting Ohtani. It, it's ridiculous. He should be getting, you know, both, both sets of stats. It's one guy producing them, uh, so... For me, I love I love what Fantrax is doing. I don't play in a ton of Fantrax leagues, but uh, I play in a few, so that, uh, that that I'll be at least able to kind of enjoy it that way.
1: And and that's interesting that they're letting you toggle daily on like you don't have to pick if like okay he's a two star pitcher this week he's a pitcher on like they, daily toggling that's that takes it to a whole other level. Like you said, he could be a really high pick at that. And he should be, yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I agree with what you're saying. It's just I haven't seen many of the bigger sites come out and give options like that. So that uh, – and Fantrax is growing. There's no disrespect to Fantrax. It's just, they're just new to the scene. Mm-hmm. So totally get with that. The last thing on Otani, I, and this is not really a fantasy aspect. I just want your opinion because I think it's, it's funny but smart at the same time. He sent out basically a questionnaire to every team. Basically, it's like check yes or no when you're in third grade. Um, what are your thoughts on this approach from Otani because, you know – These teams should be recruiting him, and he's basically coming right up front and saying, hey, you let me know why you want me. I don't even want to bother with the rest of it.
2: Well, I haven't seen much about this except for just the headline. I haven't had a chance um, to actually go, like, read it. Like, do they have the actual questionnaire online too? Um, Uh,
1: Probably. I haven't seen the full questionnaire. I've only read a couple brief blurbs. I haven't gone super deep. I just find it very entertaining that someone's taking this angle for
2: once. I think it's smart because, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, the difference between what, you know, Team A can offer and what Team B can offer because he's subject to these bonus, uh, these international bonus pools um, because he wants to come now. Like if he I think if he waited till next year, he could just be a free agent and sign a massive deal. But now he's got to be subject to these bonus pools by coming this uh, this upcoming season. Like the difference between you know the Yankees and the Twins or whoever um, is you know just a few hundred thousand dollars and for him he's already made a ton of money in Japan. I if he cared that much about the money, ultimately he'd stay another year in Japan and then come next year when he could sign a massive deal. Um, for him, this is about uh, you know proving to the world himself whoever that he is an elite player. In any league, um, especially Major League Baseball. So um, I kind of I think it's kind of smart that he did it because ultimately he just wants to be in the best situation where he feels he can show off his talents. And he wants teams to, you know, say, hey, listen, I'm willing to do this to bring you. I'm willing to let you hit two days a week and pitch, you know, every five days or every six days, because I know in Japan they, they 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 pitch every six days as opposed to every five. Um and so uh, it, it maybe comes off as a little bit like, uh, you know, sending a girl a note in kindergarten on whether they want to be your boyfriend or your, your girlfriend, um, you know, and check yes or no. But uh, I think it's kind of uh, uh, smart that he's, you know, he, he can now go through and be like, okay, well, this team uh, doesn't, you know, jive with what I want to do. This team doesn't jive with what I want to do. And I think the twins are going to be like, we'll let you do whatever you want if you just come to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I've never been fortunate enough to have 30-plus women trying to come get me, so I've never had to put a questionnaire out there. But I, I don't
0: it, believe that for a second.
1: <laughs> it just makes it easier for him because he wants to play both. And, you know, there are teams out there going to say, no, we're putting money into you. You're not doing it. Well, you can just throw that to the burn pile, basically, and go from there. So it is good. It's just very interesting. And I think it's something we might see more often, which is pretty cool. Um, let's talk about another guy that I know many people cannot wait to see make his appearance this year in the bigs when we're not a hundred percent sure, but I think it's sooner than later, but I've also heard reports recently. It might not happen till the end of the year. We're talking to AFL MVP, Ronald Acuna of the Braves, who somehow stuck it out through all the players getting kicked out of the system here recently. Um, what's your thoughts on Acuna? Coming into 18, like, does he make an impact, or is it kind of we wait and see? What are you thinking?
2: I think he makes an impact, but uh, I, I, and I've i had this discussion with a lot of guys who knew more about prospects than me. Um, you know, Matt Thompson from, from Friends of Fantasy Benefits, my site. Uh, as an example, we talked a lot, a lot about him in our previous episode. Um, and, you know, Ralph Lifshitz, like you, you mentioned, and they're all in, of the belief that they think Akuna is going to be up before, like, the end of April. Uh, and I just don't see why the why the Braves would do that. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Why are you going to start a clock on a guy who is going to be 20 years old, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season? Uh, I think there is a chance that if he just continues to hit the cover off the ball in AAA that they bring up, you know, around Memorial Day. But other than that, I think there's a real legitimate shot that he's not up till july or later and do you want to be investing a top 150 pick in a guy that may not be up till you know you know memorial day july or even september the braves you know i think they're going to be better than maybe other people do this year but i don't think they're going to be great by any stretch of the imagination and unless they get out to a really really fast start i don't think they're bringing this kid up
1: yeah, and that's that's yeah, that's the – there's like two philosophies, like I said. and You're you're in the one camp, and then you have the Ralphs and others that think Matt, even I've heard his stuff, they, they think he's going to be there early, and I'm hoping he's there early. I want to – as just a fan, I want to see the kid play. But um, fantasy-wise, people are comparing him as highly as Mike trout light, which is insane. If he's even close to that, he's going to be great and return tons of fantasy value. But I agree with what you're saying. It's a, a team like the Braves who – they're rebuilding, and the rebuild took a snag now, but they're not going to be there at the end of this year. They still have another year or two to go. They're going to be better. I completely agree with that. I thought they were going to almost be 500 last year. They stumbled. I think they're like a 500 caliber team. They're getting closer. It's getting there. They need to make a few more changes. But, um, yeah, why start that clock that early unless he's just literally hitting like 700 and it's slow pitch softball and AAA? That's the only thing I can think of, but that's hard to believe. Um, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see how that uh, pans out, especially draft wise. That's one thing I'm really curious about. You mentioned earlier top five starting pitchers, and I wanted to bring this up as just like an individual player thing because it's it's really changed a lot this last year. It used to be pretty clear. It was like Kershaw, then Scherzer, like a one C, not not even want to be one C. Then you had everybody else, and this last year a lot of things changed in injuries and just some production who are your top five and i'll give my top five coming into 18.
2: well i think the top four is pretty easy it just depends on what order you're putting him in uh i, I got max scherzer uh one uh, kershaw two sale three uh kluber four and i think you could flip flop uh kluber and sale uh, depending on you know just your preference uh personally then five becomes interesting because i think a lot of people are putting Bumgarner, Strasburg, Syndergar, uh kind of in that fifth spot. I- I'm going to uh, go off the board, away from those guys, uh, and-, and go for Luis Severino. I really believe in what uh, he did last year. I was a big on him coming into the year. He was one of my sleeper guys, uh, and uh, he paid off pretty huge. Uh, I think he is 100% legitimate, uh, and I think he's going to be a top five starter this year
1: hot take central on a Monday afternoon. I love it, but I don't hate it. I love Severino. The guy is phenomenal. Um, And he took a gigantic step forward. Like you said, there's really no reason he should step back. It's his team. It's his spot. He is the ace of the staff. Um, My one, I go Scherzer, but then I'm a little different. I go Kluber, Sale, then Kershaw. I am terrified of the back. I've, We've seen it with him now. It's been multiple years. Once you get one back problem and you're seeing a repeat like this, they can flare up way more often. And I can't afford to take a pick that early where I'm having already that issue. Like you mentioned, people let Scherzer go. That worked out perfect for you. So maybe I'll just be bullish on this and I'll be the guy that never has Kershaw. And I'll be, even as a Giants fan, twice as pissed off when I see him pitch now because I won't own him in fantasy either. Um, I know he's great. Um, And I listened to you, you you were on Paul Martin's podcast the other day, and you're talking about Kershaw, even like um, in 15 starts or whatever, he's sub two ERA. That's still pretty good. Uh, I can't go there. But after that, like you said, it's kind of jambalaya and it's, it's kind of people's choice. I'm thinking Bumgarner bounces back, but I definitely need to dig more into the top five, the after top four, I should say. You don't have any concern with Kershaw's back, huh?
2: I mean, there's concern, obviously, and I think it is a it's a risk reward proposition because if he does give you 150 to 170 innings, he's gonna be you know one of the top two to three pitchers, maybe even the top pitcher, uh, because he's just so elite when he's in there. You just have to balance that risk by what's the chance that he's only going to give you a hundred or 70 or 50 innings because his back flares up early. You know, it's, I don't know that I am going to end up with a lot of shares of Kershaw this year, because I think there's always at least one person in a league that is going to take Kershaw in the top five to six picks. Mm. I won't be willing to do that. Uh, but if there's a chance that he falls to me at the end of the first round, it's going to be hard for me not to pull the trigger on him uh, because he's just so elite when he's in there. I think the deeper a league you're in, the less likely you'd see me pulling the trigger on him if you're in a 15-team or larger league. I think I'm staying, probably staying away, and maybe I'll bump him down below a, a Sale or a Kluber. Um, but in a 10- or a 12-team league, I think there's a legitimate argument considering what's left on the waiver wire, that Kershaw should be the number one pitcher off the board.
1: That is very, very fair. What size league do you prefer?
2: Uh, I like deep leagues. I play in a number of AL only and NL only leagues. Um, And if I'm playing in a mixed league, I I definitely prefer 15 teams or or larger. Uh, But ultimately, I think any size league kind of uh, you know, as long as it's not too shallow. Like, I know people who play in, like, eight-man leagues, and I'm like, oh, man, just find some more friends. Uh, <laughs> but uh, for me, I, I, you know, I prefer the deeper leagues as I think it, uh, one, puts more of an onus on knowing people on draft day as opposed to being able to just cycle guys in and out through the waiver wire, and I think that kind of builds to my strength. Um, uh, and two, I just think it, it becomes easier when you're not putting together all-star teams. Or uh, be, it's more difficult when you're not putting together all-star teams. So, uh, but I think there is a kind of a charm to every size league because uh, it, as long as the people you're playing with is fun, that's why that's why I like the barf league because in Tout Wars because the people uh, I play with in those leagues are really really interesting fun
1: people. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I completely agree there. Uh, let's talk about your two early mocks that you did, um, and two is because it was too early people not there was four drafts let me clarify this um justin's done it now i believe this is your second year right justin uh
2: this is actually the third year i've done this but this is the first year where we've done i think we did two two of them last year this is the first year we've done so many uh we did four uh the first year we just did one i believe last year we did two two of these Uh, on this year we bumped it up to four and it seems like with the amount of People that uh, are really enjoying it. Next year, there may be six to eight of these things going at the same time.
1: Yeah, it, w- it was a blast, and uh, like you said, you're doing other ones. I've got other ones going on. I never thought, in all my time playing fantasy sports, we'd be doing mock drafts this soon. But it's actually very—it's kind of copacetic to help get through the uh, the winter months as you go go through the. I'm going to link the article to the uh, to our article and the podcast so people can get a click reference to it but he basically puts all the people in the drafts where all the players when you get like a um, an ADP list which is actually pretty pretty darn cool to look at when you break it all down I'm just going to go through here and say a couple guys names and I just want to get your thoughts on um, where they stood out on average Charlie Blackman and Harper were both sixth overall do you really feel – I know Blackman had a great year. Would you really have Blackman ahead of Harper?
2: That, that's a difficult question. I mean, I, I think he should be. Um, do I think that I would make that choice uh, given uh, <laughs> given the traffic? Um, every time? No. Um, and I think, you know, if you're talking about an OP, OBP league, I, I think I start leading Harper. You know, the thing about Harper is he's uh, – You know, he's an upside play. He's one of those guys that you look at what he could potentially do and what he, you know, he did do a few years ago, and you go, man, this guy can be something special. This could be better than Mike Trout this year. Uh, But you've also got to, you know, temper the fact that he's only done it once, um, and there's been a lot of injuries, a lot of different kind of injuries along the way because he's a guy that plays hard. Uh, and and tends to get banged up um, I think it's actually the smarter move to uh, to go after Charlie Blackman because I think his uh, his production level is a little bit more stable I think there's a much safer floor um, but I, I understand why people are you know continuing to draft Harper this high
1: yeah most definitely uh, when you get down to technically ninth through, Nineteenth. There's three big time first basemans. You have Joey Votto finished second in the MVP vote. He was averaged ninth. But then you have guys like Rizzo, who is just a little below seventeenth overall, and Freddie Freeman around twentieth overall. There's a lot of similarities to these guys. Would you be willing to go that high on Votto, or would you rather just wait for one of the guys down below?
2: Um I'm willing to go that high on Votto. I think Votto is a special player, and I think the Reds are well, while the Reds aren't very good, I think the offense is getting better and better, and so I think the the, the supporting cast will continue to improve. Uh, you know, I think there are question marks on on Rizzo a little bit. Uh, you know, can, can he continue to uh, be return first or second round value year to year? Um, and so Rizzo's not a guy that's going to end up on a number of my teams, uh, you know, it, will the average be more like it was in 2017 or 2016? Cause there's a 20 point swing there. Um, you know, will he continue to steal bases like he did this last year or will it go back to what it was last year? So I think there, there's some question marks with Rizzo. I think if he has second base eligibility, which he, we, which he somehow yeah. got in some leagues, obviously you bump him up. Um, you know, it, a lot of it depends too on what kind of, what depth of league you're drafting in. Cause in a 12-team league, and I've done a number of 12-team mocks, uh, two for uh, magazines that'll be coming out um, in in the spring. I'm doing uh, I did one a couple weeks ago and another one tonight. Uh, in that shallow of a league, first base is really really deep. There's a huge yeah. pool to pick from. When you play in a 15-team league, you may not think that the pool dries up that quickly, but it really does, um, and there's a huge drop off that occurs. So. In a 15-team league, I'm much more likely to pull the trigger on Votto uh, early on um, and and be okay with, you know, filling out other positions later. Whereas in a 12-team league, I think I'm going to push Votto out of my first round um, and go for value because there, there are guys later that make a lot of sense.
1: No, and that's a very, very valid point. Uh, the size of your league, the f- scoring in your league – all those kind of things. It does make a big difference in certain positions. And every year when you dig into positions, there's new positions that are more scarce or surprisingly scarce, I should say, than they've been in the past and vice versa. Um, when you look at, say, the top 10 or top 20, I'm not going to name them all off. You've obviously put this together. What's like a name or two that maybe not may not even be in this top 20 that you could see – you know, taking a rise throughout the off season, maybe like the hype train finds him or something.
2: Um, let's see. Hype train. I think. Uh, you know, D Gordon is is the was the twenty fifth overall player uh, coming off the board. Um, and I think he deserves to be going higher. Uh, what he can do in the speed department, um, and in the uh uh, uh in the batting average department. At a, at a scarce position at second base, it's not as deep as I think some people may think it is, uh, really should be putting him closer to a first rounder than a third rounder. And so T. Uh, Gordon's a guy that I would expect to see rise a little bit. Um, and I would expect to see Gary Sanchez's numbers, even though people are like, wow, I can't believe he's going inside the top 30. If you're in a two-catcher format, which what these mocks are for, the difference between him and just the rest of the field is amazing. In a two-catcher format, you need to draft good catchers. It doesn't necessarily need to be top tier, but you can't take a zero. You can't get a bottom barrel of guys like you used to back in, you know, the late 90s or early 2000s. Um, you, you It just offers too much negative value drafting those lower-end catchers. So Gary Sanchez is a guy that I think actually legitimately deserves to be drafted inside the top 20, and it is not
1: there's a lot of questions I could ask you about this mock, but I want people to actually go read the article and then they could talk about it later. Um, Cause there are some intriguing players and so on and so forth that you might not see next to each other or they're farther down, farther up vice, whatever spectrum. There's a lot of, it's really, really cool to check out the, uh, the work you put in here from everybody else's picks and everything like that. So really good stuff. Um, as we go into the 2018 season you, you've already mentioned you're not a tinkerer, so you've already started doing your prep. You have to have a strategy in place. Are you going to change it up a lot based on what you saw in 2017, or are you going to kind of stay with your same approach?
2: I don't think I'm going to change it up too much. I'm, I'm always a kind of a best available talent kind of guy, and I'll figure you know shortfalls either in, in categories or positions later on via trades or the waiver wire. Um, but I think the one thing that I will maybe the trigger on a little bit more is uh is on younger players i didn't buy into some of the younger players i wish i had bellinger you know i was a big detractor of uh of adrian gonzalez coming in the year but for some reason had no shares of cody bellinger which makes absolutely no sense because I, I kept saying that that this was, gonzalez was done that this wasn't going to be a year in which he rebounds uh, but I, I didn't go out and invest in you know the the prospect that, that was potentially going to take over his position. So, uh, and I, I think, uh, I think for me, that's a big thing, maybe believe a little bit more in some of the younger talent, uh, you know, maybe not the, the Acuna's that are a little bit high priced, but you know, the, the Scott King of the world, you know, guys that could be up, you know, fairly soon um, and have a big impact, but don't cost a whole lot. Um, and then, yeah, I'm going to try my best to stay away from pitching uh, that is high priced uh, and injury prone. So, you know, I talked about that, those tiers of guys, uh, the, the, the Bug, Bug, Bumgarner, uh, Strasburg, Cindergard tier. Uh, I'm going to stay away from that where maybe I would have dipped my toe in the water uh, in season fast.
1: You now, if you don't have the answer to this in front of you, that's fine. We can skip it. But you mentioned you're going to skip that tier. Where does your next tier start in a roundabout way?
2: I, I think it, it is, you know, the, the, the DeGrom, uh, Severino, Carrasco uh, tier that I'm kind of looking at. That's where I'm going to get my first starter if I didn't jump in on the first, uh, first round. Or if for some reason, like, you know, one of the things I've been saying is, you know, a lot of people really want to draft towards the back end of the first round in a 15-team league. Because they feel like there's such a you know deep level of elite talent um, that they're gonna get you know two top you know players. Um, I actually want to draft towards the top because I want to get you know an, a Trout, Altuve, and then I still think I'm th- that that pool is deep enough where I'm gonna get three guys that would probably rank inside my top 20 uh, with you know my first three picks. Uh, you know the scary part about that becomes. Pitching typically has been going off the board fairly quickly in between that second and third round. Um, So, you know, there's a chance you could miss out if you don't pull the the trigger on, you know, one of those guys like Baumgartner, Strasburg, and Syndergaard. Robbie Ray is a guy I'm going to be targeting a lot. Uh, Zach Greinke uh, is a guy I'm going to be targeting a lot. Carlos Martinez, I think those guys... Um, are you know aren't looked at as aces, but they've put up ace like numbers,
0: and I think there's no reason not to believe in them.
1: and you just said it there. I was thinking when you are, when you just started listening, the first the Severinos, and you just mentioned those guys. These are a lot of number ones on their teams. There are a lot of potential top end guys that you wouldn't be shocked if they were a top five, so young candidate, and you're going to get them in the rounds four, four, five, six, something like that. So that, that's huge. The last question on the outline. Throughout this talk, I had a couple more things pop up. You're a Giants fan, so I we know. need to talk. We need to talk. Um, I am all aboard this Giancarlo Stanton and D. Gordon deal. Uh, I know we're losing some big prospects, pretty much our only prospects, outside of Helio Ramos. <laughs> pretty much all of them are going to be gone. But I am a 1,000% on board with this. What are your thoughts on the Stanton trade?
2: Well, Potential. well the, the proposed trade that was offered is not going to happen. So, you know, I think I think all Giants fans are like, sure, I'll, I'll give up, you know, Tyler Beattie and Austin Ryder or whoever, you know, else was uh, in that uh, leaked uh, offer. Um, the the Marlins aren't going to take that. They, they can get more than that. I think they have to give up Helio Ramos and probably Tyler Beattie uh, and maybe another piece or two. Um, but I'm all for it. Go go ahead. I mean, the Giants are in a weird situation where they've got a very, very old team and they're stuck with some of these contracts for some of them for a while. Um, you know, and some of them come off the books, like Hunter Pence comes off the books after next year. Denard Span they can buy out the remaining year of his deal after next year, uh, you know, and, and free up some more money that way. But they're old, and so you either take the, you know, the road of, Listen, we're going to we're going to start the rebuild now, and we're going to be really bad for the next couple of years. Or you go, hey, we're going to be bad in the next couple of years anyways. Why not take one more shot at this, uh, you know, with a guy like you know Stanton, um, and we'll start the rebuild in two years and see see what happens. I think that's what they should do. Um, I think that's what they're going to try to do. I don't know one that they have the firepower necessary to obtain. Stanton, uh, and and D Gordon together. Um, you know, and in order to do that, they would have to free up some money by trading, you know, maybe like a branded belt or something like that, which I don't have a problem with, but, um, you know, then there, then you've got another hole to go out and fill, uh, while you still have a hole at third base. Um, so I think, uh, you know, the smart move would probably be to say, listen, we, we won our three championships. We did it at the expense of the future. The future is now. We're gonna suck for a couple years. Let, let's uh, let's blow everything up that isn't Posey, you know, Crawford, and Bumgarner, and, and rebuild. I don't think they're gonna do that, which I'm totally fine with as a fan. Um, but uh, it's probably not the smartest move.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that first deal obviously you won't go through because otherwise it would have already. Mm-hmm. But um, the part I'm really curious on and where the Giants can factor, especially if they can move someone is how much money do the Marlins want from whatever team's coming into play? Because it's not all about prospects as we know it, then they do want a good chunk of cash coming back. So it would be really interesting. Um,
2: I think that's, yeah. like, that's the, the only reason the Giants are in this conversation. Oh, no doubt about if, it. If we were talking about strength of prospects being sent over, the Giants would be you know towards the bottom of any, any negotiation – uh, but I think the giants are, are willing to go. We will take that entire contract and that's very attractive for the Marlins.
1: Oh, big time. And if they can't get Stanton, I'm okay with JD Martinez. Just throwing that out there to anybody that wants to pass that memo along. Just go for that. Um, a couple more questions. I, I already asked you what size leagues you prefer. A couple things that a lot of industry guys have talked about. Some have already made the change. Some are slowly changing. Um, Do you prefer and do you think most leagues will go to OBP leagues?
2: Um, I'm ambivalent about that. I think that uh, I I enjoy playing in on-base percentage leagues. I enjoy playing in average leagues. Um, I think there is an old guard within fantasy baseball that's been playing for, you know, longer than a decade that really, you know, just doesn't want to learn, uh, you know, you know, the, the OBP strategies and things like that. Um, and, you know, so that's why the change has come so slowly, but ultimately I, I don't have a problem with either. I, I played fantasy baseball for God, almost 20 years at this point. Um, and most of it was, uh, was average leagues. Um, but I'm fine with either, uh, either, or, you know, just, you know, pick your rules and stick with them.
1: What a, okay, well, that probably will answer the next few questions. But a couple other topics, um, like saves or saves and holds leagues.
2: I don't really like saves plus holds leagues. I like I, I do uh, play in a league or two where it's there, you know separate category saves you know and then another category for holds. I kind of like that, especially with where major league baseball is going uh, in terms of the amount of relievers uh, being used in games. Um, You know, it's hard because the rules for getting a save and the rules for getting holds can somewhat be arbitrary at times. And so I I understand uh, why people want to do the save plus holds, because one, it it kind of deepens up the reliever pool. Um, But I also think it kind of maybe cheapens it by doing them both together. I think if you're going to if if you're going to play with holds um, or if you want to play with saves plus holds, I would say make a make it a six by six league, uh, get you know a category for holds and then a category for saves, and then add you know OBP and average as separate categories in the offense.
1: Okay, that's a very good point. The last thing I have for you here uh, mentioned your you, we can find you everywhere now. You're doing magazines that I don't even know about yet. You have stuff everywhere, and I love it because you you know you're really good at what you do and. You're good for the for the industry. You you talk to everybody. You've helped me out. You've helped many many people out. Um, what do you have store in 2018? Because each year you just get bigger and better. So what's your what's your plans in 2018?
2: Oh man, so much going on, and I mean I I can't even uh, announce all of it quite yet. But uh, Friends of Fantasy Benefits is been you know taking off uh, and doing really really good work. Uh, We do. Uh, baseball podcast got articles for all sports Uh, um, in for our prep we do probably the most amount of podcasts prior to the start of the season than pretty much any other podcast out there Uh, for the first month of the season we do uh, a podcast on each individual team and then a separate mini pod as we call it though sometimes it can be almost as long as a regular pod uh, covering each farm system between uh, me and Matt Thompson uh, do those. Um, and then we g- pretty much go five days a week from February uh, until the start of the season. And then, you know, a couple times, you know, anywhere from two to four times a week uh, in season. Uh, so and then I, we're talking about maybe doing a draft guide this year uh, that would cover every single farm system, every single team, a uh, bunch of strategies, things like that uh, for a fairly cheap price. Uh, But just something where we could just put all of our stuff together and uh, um, and and sell it off in in one big content as opposed to uh, just, you know, putting things out little by little uh, on the site. Uh, Then uh, I'm on the Tout Wars Hour on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 9 to 11 uh, p.m. Eastern with Laura Michaels. Uh, That's uh, that's been a lot of fun. So definitely uh, check that out. I write for Fantasy Alarm for football, but uh, I don't know. There's a chance maybe uh, uh, if they or anybody else would like to hire me for, for baseball, I'm, I'm always looking forward uh, to increasing my, uh, my bank account. So uh, definitely uh, uh, definitely enjoy that. And then fan graphs, I write um, about four to five times a week uh, in season. I do their daily notes and then a, typically another article uh, here and there that either focuses on, strategy or uh fantasy ethics i read a lot of fantasy ethics uh pieces over there um and then i uh, got uh, kind of an w- interesting industry league in the works that i can't really talk too much about because it's still kind of finalizing it but it would probably be the largest uh industry league uh, that baseball has ever seen so um i think uh, that will be interesting if it comes all together
1: Outstanding. And he also left out, he does this little podcast that's had a ton of episodes so far in its career with uh, one Paul spore and Eno so, yeah, uh I,
2: I, I'm, I'm the producer of Sleeper in the Bus. <laughs> but they rarely let me
0: talk except for to say something Oh
1: Although, when you pop in, it's always like if I'm kind of just – most times I'll have a lot of podcasts just on in the background when I'm doing things. But whenever your voice comes up, I, I make a point to stop because someone made some comment that got everything going.
2: <laughs> well, and, and that's a fun part because, I mean, I've been listening to the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, god since uh before paul was on it um so and i mean i i you know um i credit paul in in jason collette for one of the reasons i even got into the industry and uh paul especially and Eno um along with guys like laura michaels in the industry have really uh helped me kind of get to where i'm at um and i, I credit them for a lot but uh it's always funny because i mean if you're anything like me when you listen to a podcast you're listening, but you also like comment either in your head or I, I do it aloud um, when someone says something that you either really agree with or says something, you know, you really hate. Um, and so it's really weird being in on, uh, you know, uh, Paul and Eno or Paul and Jason talking and then saying something because I can't yell at them in the same way I would if I'm just listening to my phone um, because that obviously it'd come over the, you know, come over the airways and, you know, they, they don't allow or they're not supposed to swear, I think.
1: No, that's that's so funny because one of the things my wife, she'll laugh at me for one of the many things she laughs at me about. But um, if we're driving somewhere, she'll read a book. So I'll put a podcast on and I'll start talking. She's like, what are you what are you doing? I said, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just commenting.
0: They,
1: they can't hear me. It's OK. But uh, all right, man, I appreciate You joining me, everyone, check out Justin's work everywhere. But most importantly, and I imagine, benefits.com. That's his personal baby. So go check that out. Tons of great stuff. Give him a follow on Twitter and give all his guys a follow. Um, He's got a, a handful of really good guys. He mentioned Matt Thompson. I know Darius is on there. There's a handful of really good content coming out there, and it's only to get bigger and better, as you can tell. So Follow Justin on Twitter at Justin Mason, FWFB, and um, check out the website, friendswithfantasybenefits.com. Justin, thanks for joining me, man.
2: Thank you for having me on. It was really, really fun.
1: I appreciate it. Everybody, this was Bench with Bubba, episode 59 Talking Fantasy Baseball with Justin Mason. I'll catch you guys later.